from KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Our community was heartbroken at the senseless murders of a Vancouver mother and daughter in March, and then outraged that perhaps their deaths could have been prevented. Hundreds gathered at Esther Short Park in late March to mourn the deaths of 27-year-old Miche Melendez and 7-year-old Layla Stewart. They've been reported missing March 12th. Their bodies found days later in a rural area east of Washougal. Investigators say they'd each been shot in the head, Layla twice. Miche's ex-boyfriend, Kirkland C. Warren, was arrested on two counts of first-degree murder. Investigators say inside a vehicle associated with Warren, they found blood. 22 caliber shell casings, children's clothing matching what Layla was wearing when she went missing, and Miche Melendez's purse with her ID inside. Warren had been a person of interest in their disappearance and had previously been ordered not to have contact with Melendez after he was arrested and accused of shooting at her apartment last December. In that incident, he was released from jail without any electronic monitoring. We need to emphasize here, Warren has been arrested for Miche and Layla's murders, but he has not been convicted and is innocent until proven guilty. But the case does raise questions. Could GPS monitoring that would have alerted Miche and Layla to Warren's whereabouts have helped prevent their murders? It's something that became an option for defendants in domestic violence cases with passage of the Tiffany Hill Law in 2020. Why wasn't it used in this case? In this episode of Straight Talk, we talk about the Tiffany Hill Law why it might not have been used in the case of Miche and Layla, and what, if any, action could help prevent future domestic violence tragedies. We are so pleased and grateful to have returning as our guests four women who've joined us over the past three years here on Straight Talk to discuss the Tiffany Hill Act and how it's meant to protect victims of domestic violence. Welcome to Michelle Bart, president and founder of the National Women's Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation. Vancouver Police Sergeant Tanya Wolstein, who investigated the Tiffany Hill case and has helped implement the electronic monitoring program in Clark County. Washington Republican State Senator Linda Wilson from District 17. She sponsored and helped write the Tiffany Hill legislation. We're also pleased to have joining us Democratic State Representative from Vancouver, Sharon Wiley. Welcome back to Straight Talk, everyone. I'm so sorry it's for such a tragic occasion. Thank you. I want to start by asking you, you all were so invested in passing the Tiffany Hill Act and the GPS monitoring it enabled to track a domestic violence defendant. How did the murders of Michelle and Layla impact you all personally? And let me start with Michelle. Personally speaking, I, it was deja vu all over again. Um, it, it was just uh, a senseless act that didn't have to take place. You know, especially the two women at the end, um, Representative uh, Wiley and Senator Wilson worked so diligently to have a law passed so that we wouldn't be sitting at this desk again. And here we are. Sergeant Wilstein. Yeah, it, it did feel like Tiffany's case happened again. Definitely devastating. And after all the work that we had put in to try to prevent these these horrible things from happening. Um, it was personally very difficult to handle. Senator Wilson? Well, very much so, the same with me. Um, I was deep into session when I found out they were missing, and then I was actually in a um, law and justice 
committee meeting, uh, speaking of a domestic violence bill, when the alert came across my phone that said that their bodies had been found, and it's crazy how it hits you. It's like, you don't get used to this ever. It's just heartbreaking, it's senseless, it's needless, it's, it's wrong, and yeah. Representative Wiley, how did it impact you? It, uh, for me, there was a historical connection because uh, I, I first uh, spoke out against domestic violence over 40 years ago. And uh, the fact that we're still here and we have all this technology, uh, we pass laws, um, we, uh, every time something comes up that could have been prevented, we look at, is there something we should have in statute <laughs> That's, that would be that would make a difference, and uh, electronics are so impressive right now. This this should have helped. Um, the ankle bracelets, from what I understand, are not easy to get out of. Um, they alert uh, the person, um, and uh, and they work. And and somehow that didn't happen. And and I think we felt pretty darn good when we got your law passed, Linda. Um, and here we are again. Uh, you know, there's, there's still a lot to be done. And we'll dig into that a little bit. I want to talk a little bit, a bit about Michelle and Layla. And Michelle, your organization helped organize a vigil. You all were at the vigil in March. What was the, the mood at the vigil? What was the atmosphere? Somber. Mm -hmm. um, we had to do a public um, uh, vigil. Uh, to call for action, to call for uh, help uh, so that this doesn't happen again. And at that point, uh, the family and our organization knew we were gonna have a private funeral. So we needed to have something public because so many people have come out, have donated, have supported this family, and, um, and our work's still not over. And you mentioned the funeral that was held later on April 19th. Family members were there and a lot of them wore shirts that said, too beautiful for earth with pictures of Miche and Layla. Let's listen to what, what some of the family members had to say. I've admired her my entire life. You know, to lose her like this is like, uh, I feel like I lost a piece of my soul. <laughs> to be so strong. I just, I really miss her. It's really hard right now because in a moment like this, Misha would be my rock. She would be who I would go to. I miss you every day because she's my sister. And Layla, you were so, so much my baby. And Sergeant Wolstein, you told me it was like a, a, a gut punch to you. Uh, what's so distressing is that perhaps this could have been prevented. You worked on the Tiffany Hill case, so to refresh our viewers' memories, tell us a little bit about who Tiffany Hill was. Uh, and I know you were texting with her the morning of her murder. Tell us what happened as well. Uh, Tiffany was a wonderful mom, first and foremost, to her three children. Uh, she was a former sergeant in the Marines and, and she was married to uh, Keeland Hill, who had been abusive throughout their marriage and uh, was arrested multiple times, uh, continued to stalk her and violate the no contact order and uh, eventually was, was released on bail and, and murdered her in her 
uh, in her children's school parking lot with the three children in the back and shot her mother as well during the incident. Um, he did all that on his youngest daughter's birthday. And uh, it was extremely difficult as an investigator because our lethality assessment said that she was at great risk of being murdered. She knew she was at great risk of being murdered. The court was told she was at great risk of being murdered uh, by Keelan. And to have that happen felt like it could have been prevented. More could have been done. And Senator, you work so hard on legislation to protect domestic violence victims, so hard on the Tiffany Hill Act. How should it have worked in the case of Mache and Layla? How is it supposed to work? Well, someone needed to order the electronic monitoring for him to wear it. And apparently that didn't happen. And, and it kind of baffles me because as I was reading about the case when they were missing, all the things that it were in his history, in his past, and even recent where he shot drive-by shooting in her, in, at her area, at her um, apartment, that, uh, that that wasn't done because her lethality test was also very high and should have been noted and, and taken into consideration and then he, she should have, he should have then had the electronic monitoring on him. Let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, just explain briefly for us, Sergeant, what the lethality test is. So uh, Vancouver Police Department uses a lethality assessment called the Danger Assessment, uh, which was developed by Dr. Jacqueline Campbell. And it gives different levels of risk uh, based off of history between the uh, domestic violence offender and the victim. And so there are four different levels of risk. Uh, both Tiffany uh, and Miche were at extreme risk. So after Tiffany Hill's murder, Representative Wiley, it was said the justice system failed her. Did the justice system fail Michelle and Layla here too? I think so. I think that um, we, we don't, um, most people don't know that the bail system is originally conceived as making people show up. Um, it's not, um, from a legal standpoint, from what I understand, uh, the legal, a lot of the legal system thinks of it as um, just having people show up, not strictly to protect people. Um, but a lot of the rest of us that would think, well, if the person's dangerous, the bail's going to be higher. And we don't, it, it baffles us. Baffling is a good word for this. It's hard to explain to anybody, even ourselves, why um, the bail was, wasn't higher. It was 100,000, and, and if we have time, we're gonna get into more in the bail issue because it's a big, complicated issue too. But I did wanna talk about the GPS monitoring even more so people can see how it works. When you were on last summer, Sergeant, you and Brian Farrell, who was then the court administrator for Clark County, you demonstrated how the GPS technology works. Let's take a look. So this is the device that we put on um, the offender's ankle. Um, there's a few things that are unique to this device. This is the only device and the only program where we utilize an actual steel cuff that at this point cannot be cut off, um, which happens on a lot of basic electronic home monitoring devices. Um, and it's got braided wire through here, so if they even attempt to cut it off, that braided wire, if it gets cut, it will notify a monitoring center um, and then uh, also the victim. So the victim knows if this gets tampered with, 
Um, it also has pressure sensors, so if you try to try to take the casing off or you try to remove the, the actual strap, it will send a notice to the victim and notify the monitoring center as well. There's a microphone here, there's a speaker here. Uh, the monitoring center can actually talk to the offender through the speaker and communicate back and forth and they record all conversations. So let's talk about why it looks like it should work really well. Why that wasn't used? I want to find out from Sergeant and Michelle, what, from your understanding, why wasn't that ankle monitor ordered in this case? What have you heard? Um, my understanding is that the prosecutor's office had a policy that if the um, victim in the case was not requesting the device, that they were not requesting it from a judge. And I know you have strong feelings about that. Should that matter, mm -hmm. Michelle Bart, if the victim doesn't request it? It should, um, because we know traditionally domestic violence uh, victims um, are coming from it from a different perspective. And if the state's going to prosecute um, an individual for doing harm to someone else, they should be able to ask for the electronic monitoring. Better yet, a judge in that case, or any case, should be able to overrule the request from a DA's office when she knows good and well, or they, that it's going to harm the community. He was out on bail for murder in another state. He was in court for the shooting uh, attempt on Miche's life in December. And here you've got a prosecutor's office just asking for what the victim, uh, the victim was never even asked what she wanted. So. If she was, she did not relay that to our clients, uh, Miche's mother. And so with that, I think we have to do our, our due diligence. If you're gonna prosecute someone, you're gonna ask for bail, why wouldn't you ask for more money in bail? So uh, I know our, our client definitely um, says no more excuses. The, and your there client many is Miche's mom and Nicole Layla's Morris. grandmother. Yeah. Yes. I want to ask you, Sergeant, before we kind of get into more legislation, what can be done from your point of view? What can be done to prevent this from happening again? Well, I think it, it does touch on legislation. And I do want to say that the my understanding is that the Clark County Prosecutor's Office has since changed their policy um, and that we we understand that asking a victim to ask for these kinds of things is a lot to ask of a victim of domestic violence. And I think that there's- A lot of pressure on them sometimes. It, it is a lot of pressure to, to ask the victim to stand up to an abuser who has so much power and control um, in a relationship. And so I'm very happy that that policy has changed. Um, but I do believe that Hopefully our wonderful legislators can, <laughs> can uh, pass some legislation that requiring, you know, lethality assessment, a statewide lethality assessment, and then at the high levels of those lethality assessments, offenders are mandated to be on victim notification, uh, offender monitoring technology. So this is something you do in Vancouver in Clark County, this risk assessment is not done anywhere else? 
it's not mandated to be done anywhere else? It's not mandated. It's not currently state law. Um, we, As far as I am aware, we are the only department in the state that uses this particular assessment, and there are only a couple of other departments in the state that use any sort of lethality assessment. So what about that, Senator, uh, having a statewide mm -hmm. lethality test, risk assessment, and then mandating electronic monitoring when it gets to a certain risk level? Right. Well, I tried. Uh, that domestic violence bill that I told you we were we were hearing, um, I actually had amendments two different times. One was in Law and Justice, and the other was in um, the Ways and Means Committee. And uh, I asked to have that specifically, right? Explicit authorization for a judge to be able to, and not required, but a authorization for them to use the lethality test, create a lethality test, a, a model, and then requiring it. It, whatever determination at the the number that it, that comes out at, uh, that determination then would require the monitoring to be used, and it was uh, denied both times. Representative Wiley, I know you're both from different parties. You're a Democrat, and and Senator is is a Republican. You disagree on some issues, but you agree on working on domestic violence protection for, for victims. Is this something you can work on together? I mean, how can you get this I look through next to session? That. Um, I, I think. I think we ought to do several things and, and uh, requiring uh, that. I, I think it has a, it should have a good chance in the House. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, it, because it doesn't take away judicial discretion. Mm -hmm. right. it, it adds to ju judicial discretion, but it sends a clear message um, of, of what, what we should be doing, mm -hmm. unless there's a darn good reason not to. Well, as we go to break right now, we want to show you some numbers and resources available to help. Sadly, domestic violence is everywhere. Coming up, we talk about what else needs to change to try to keep victims safe. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking about domestic violence and how best to protect victims and prevent future cases. A recent tragedy in Vancouver, the murders of 27-year-old Michelle Melendez and her seven-year-old daughter, Layla, have painfully demonstrated that much more needs to be done. Welcome once again to my guest, Republican Washington State Senator Linda Wilson and Democrat Washington State Representative Sharon Wiley. Vancouver Police Sergeant Tanya Wolstein and Michelle Bart, president and founder of the National Women's Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation. Thank you once again for being here. You. Michelle, you mentioned in the first segment that you are an advocate and you're representing Nicole, who is Michelle's mother and Layla's grandmother, and you represent a lot of other victims. You advocate for them. Domestic violence is really everywhere, isn't it? People may it not really realize is. that, but you see it firsthand. It, it is uh, very prevalent. Uh, and more so since 2020 when the pandemic hit, uh, things seemed to escalate from there and I'm sure the sergeant can talk about numbers. Um, but ultimately domestic violence uh, is all around us and we advocate, you know, if you see something, say something because in this particular case, it may have saved a couple lives. Because people saw some things that might have alerted Police. saw, heard, um, and again, we never know what's happening next door, but when you do, there are so many hotlines that you've been showing on the show that folks can actually call in anonymously or do a welfare check and not even have to give your name. Just one phone call could save a life. So Sergeant, just how common is domestic violence? What are the numbers in Vancouver? 
Unfortunately, it's very common. Um, we have over 5,500 cases a year in Vancouver, and that grows year over year. As Michelle said, since the pandemic, we've seen 10 to 30 percent increases um, year over year. So we have quite so a few cases. You've told me like 20 to 40 percent of all your calls are domestic violence calls. Yes, 20 to 40 percent, and there are most dangerous calls. And you've told me that you would really like to see a, a cultural shift, like we saw with drunk driving and how it's yes. not acceptable. Tell me about that. Yes, I, you know, un unfortunately there's this, I don't want to be involved and, and this is a family matter and all those things kind of are still in society, views it that way. But like drunk driving, we do need to have a, a paradigm shift and this is a problem for all of society. This isn't just a problem for the people in the relationship. This is something that everyone should be educated on. We should be educating our children on these kinds of warning signs in relationships. It is a society-wide problem. It doesn't matter the demographic of people you're talking about. Everyone is affected by domestic violence. And Representative Wiley, Clark County's really done more than most every other county in Washington to try to help prevent these tragedies and protect domestic violence victims. You've worked for decades to try to educate people, but you've said so much more needs to be done. And I think it's, it has to be a culture change that is, uh, happens with every new generation of people. Um, people need to understand that it's not one undone. We don't just pass a few laws and then we solve the problem. Um, what people don't understand is that uh, if somebody is in an abusive relationship, they always have hope. They stay because they have hope. Um, most uh, survivors that escape um, try to escape more than once. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they're ashamed to ask for help the second time. Uh, we need to understand um, that that reality is hard to escape from, and we don't. And if somebody we care about is being abused or being talked to, even talked to badly, uh, we get angry that they won't do anything about it. That is a barrier that that isolates the the victim and prevents that victim from being a strong survivor and moving on with her life. Um, so I think that it's something we need to talk about more and we need to learn about the dynamics and every case is different, um, but we're never gonna solve the problem just with laws. And uh, Senator and I are going to pass anything we can get through and we're gonna work together, but we're still going to have to train and, and share knowledge and, and just keep educating every new generation. And Senator Wilson, you as a child witnessed domestic violence. What would you like to say to domestic violence victims? Well, when I watched this happen in my family, it was 50, 60 years ago, and it was a family affair, right? But rarely did the police want to get involved. Uh, but that's not the same now. And I know that um, for many women, in most cases, many women, um, they feel what they see at home and what they feel at home is what they know. So they're afraid to go out and and they because they don't know how their the partner will react. But there's so many areas out there now, um, like uh, Tanya said, um, that uh, help our community. There's so many avenues out there where you can get the help. That's what happened with Tiffany, right? She finally confided in her friends who surrounded her, and then her community surrounded her, and then. Um, you know, then and then this happened, and of course the Tiffany Hill law wasn't in effect at that point. But you know, because of Tiffany, that law got passed. Michelle, we have about a, a minute left. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to give us a final thought. Um, I just want to uh, say that 
Um, although this is a senseless act of violence, uh, we can still make a difference. We can still make things change if we have to train uh, the judicial system to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and who they're trying to protect, whatever it takes. But also know that women, just like men and boys, um, anyone can can be abused. And and you know, at the end of the day, we have to keep saying no excuses. We no more excuses because. Um, lives matter and everyone's lives matter and you've said that you're going to be with nicole through this whole process the court process yeah. uh, we are we uh, we've been faced with not only the court uh hearings uh leading up to trial here in clark county he also has hearings galore for uh, arkansas and then um, and then a situation now in Oregon with uh, somebody in his life that affected Misha's. So okay. we're in that one too. Well, I want to thank you all for joining us here, but we do have more time uh, in a bonus episode. We're going to dig into the bail topic. And if you or someone you know is affected by domestic violence, help is available. The numbers are on your screen right now. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening to our podcast and listen to our bonus episode where we continue the discussion. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week for Straight Talk.